Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gazing upon the utilization of a genie as an instrument in storytelling could be quite overwhelming. There are many instances through the ages, however perhaps none so renowned as the monkey's paw. Despite being around for just over a century, this story has managed to endure like an age-old yarn, recounting the tale of a couple presented with a magical monkey's paw that grants them three wishes, though these come with a highly pricely consequence. Did you ever watch the Twilight Zone? Remember the Twilight Zone with Burgess Meredith? Remember, he, he, he loved to read, and there was a nuclear war, and he had no friends anyway, and he was down on the base of glasses. What about the mannequins that got two weeks off and turned into humans, and they were allowed to go out and shop for two weeks on their own, and then this one came back, and it was over two weeks, and the other mannequins went come over here for me. Welcome, everybody, to... Zoning out. I'm Christopher Feinstein. John Sachs. Frank Bonacci. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And it's Judd. We are here today to talk about not the Virginia Judge, because that was the episode that the man was in that we watched last week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have the last week's notes up? Uh-huh. Because I'm not good at this. God damn it. All right, hold on. Sorry, Frank. Why is he specifically to me? Because I got to edit this. I'm just leaving it. <laughs> These bleeds? Those bleeds, yeah. <laughs> we are here to listen to Season 2, Episode 2, with an air date of October 7th, 1960. The Man in the Bottle. A luckless couple. Did I read the description in the last one? I don't think so. No. I'm not going to do it this time either. Mm. I'll figure it out. This first was broadcast on October 7th, 1960. I said that. Written by Rod Serling and directed by Don Medford, having previously encountered Don Medford in uh, the Trumpet one. What was the Trumpet one? Passage for Trumpet. Passage for Trumpet. We'll see him again down the road. Don Medford. He's the guy who... Good old Don. They called him... He had a nickname. It was Midnight Medford because he was the one he used to... He shot at night and did the the whole color swapping thing to make it look like it was daytime. He did that in that episode. Oh, I thought it was for his sex crimes. No. Oh, watch out. Midnight Medford's on uh, the prowl again. (laughs) 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 <laughs> that's different yeah that's different uh, oh it's because of his shooting schedule the shooting yeah, schedule it's like, it's like stop it stop spreading that rumor 
Yeah, so he was famous for that little trick. Not the racing, but the trick of the, of the camera. But none of those tricks were really on display in this episode. <laughs> Behind the scenes, though, his tricks were on display. <laughs> Midnight took on a whole... Uh, his, phone, uh, his phones are tapped because uh, of a nickname. Uh, <laughs> United States against Don, Midnight, Medford. We're trying to get him on the raping, but all he's talking about is movies. Uh, I'm going to read the description. Fuck it. A luckless couple stumbles upon a fortune when a genie materializes from a bottle in their antique shop. The genie grants them four wishes, but warns them prophetically. Mm-hmm. Can't read that word. To be careful what, what you wish for. He just warns prophetically? them. Prophetically? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. I can't pronounce things. People who listen to Oh, my, I can't either. If you listen to my show, it's it's bad. Haunted American History is bad. Yeah. I get roasted, too. Because I leave it in. I don't care. But I get roasted. People leave the comments. In, but I pin them. Hit them up on Spotify. Speaking of comments, if you're enjoying the show, Spotify in particular, you can comment on the episode. So please, I beg you, give us a comment. Say hello. We'll get to set up a voicemail, too, because I have that over at uh, Haunted American History, and it's a lot of fun. People call in. So Wait, call- what? Yeah, Haunted American History has a voicemail. Does that work? It's, it just, it's, a, it's a Google voice number. People call in and let you know. You know what, John? That'd be good for draft class. People can call in their votes. Oh, my God. People, some people. If I had it open for, for the Nolan, the amount of pe- uh, n- people will not stop asking what I thought of Oppenheimer. Oh, It man. is relentless. They want to know so bad <laughs> what I thought of Oppenheimer. So if we had a voicemail, you know who would call? Larry and Line 3 yeah, would oh, call. Yeah. He'd be he on. would leave me a voicemail. He'd be on, definitely. So we're going to set up, you know what? I'm going to set it up. We'll have it ready before the end of the show. For the end of this episode, we'll have a voicemail phone for us. Cold now. But yes, please leave us a review if you like it. If you like what you're hearing, Apple, Spotify, those are the big ones. Leave a comment on Spotify on the episodes that you enjoy, on things that you like about the show, on things that you dislike about the show. doesn't matter what it is. We just want to hear from you, our audience. Thank you. And if you're in Dodd Medford's family, please, we were only joking about him being a sexual predator. He's a very nice Understand man. that he's a... The yeah. phones are already lighting up. <laughs> Hold now. Uh, do, do we do what do we think? Oh, we didn't do what do we think. Oh, we sorted. What do we think? Yeah, what do we think? Well, is this where, I mean, all the things came from? I mean, the Simpsons, of course, right? Well, did the but monkey's just this paw general come idea. The monkey's go- paw is a very old story. Yeah, you're a how, So guy. I'm curious about that. Like, how far back are we going with, with that? Monkey, for a monkey's paw, monkey's paw, I'll tell you, right? Fucking hell. Let me just pull it up. That's the Jordan Peele production company. His movies, they all start with the monkey paw. The first monkey's paw story well, the first one on file is the ridiculous wishes or it's called the three ridiculous witches wishes it's a french tale from uh charles perot and it was published in 1697 Ooh, so wow the monkey's paw wow. with the genie and three wishes that's where it originated in that that's the oldest book on on record where the monkey monkey's paw or the genie granting wishes story comes from was that collected in arabian nights um genie? yes I believe so. It was definitely in the Arabian Nights. I'm just okay. trying to think. The the monkey's paw story, the horror story, was uh, W.W. Jacobs was the first published author of the monkey's paw story, and that was in England. It was the Lady of the Barge short story collection in 1902. But mm. there's a lot of monkey's paw films. You know, 1933, there was a movie. 1948, Alfred Hitchcock did an, uh, an episode in 1965. Pet Cemetery is essentially a monkey's paw story. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really like the progenitor of like the morality tale. And it comes with a free frog. Like, you know, and it comes with a free frog. We had to say it. I was waiting. I was like, somebody's got to say it. Yeah, so that's where the monkey's paw. Charles Perrault is the one who's first credited with that story. That's or the good. genie's wishes. Hey, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Take this object. 
But beware, it carries a terrible curse. Ooh, that's bad. But it comes with a free Frogut. That's good. The Frogut is also cursed. That's bad. But you get your choice of topping. That's good. The toppings contain potassium benzoate. That's bad. Can I go now? And Robin Williams. Yeah, it's been it's a it's a trope. I mean, like the monkey's paw, the three wishes. Yeah. Now it's four wishes, which is interesting. Well, they do. There's a very specific story reason I think they give it for four wishes in this one. Uh, yeah, I guess it was kind. You know, it's funny. Um, so this deals with a genie, obviously. We'll get into the actual plot. I was actually watching uh, what we do in the shadows, the show on FX. Very good show. Um, on season four, they introduce a genie, and it's not like what you think of a genie you know in terms of like their wardrobe it's always wearing the genie pants and like you know the, the outfit that you always associate with a genie he's dressed in a suit and tie and i'm like oh that's an interesting like modernization of that but again twilight zone did it first where yeah. they have the genie be a dude in a suit who's great by the way i recognized him uh let me i guess i'll go through the beats yeah, of the show the and then we'll talk about the cast and stuff yeah. so it starts with mrs gumley who i thought they were saying gump at first in arthur castle's and his wife, Edna, uh, who's not a potato pancake. Remember, you always used to love potato pancakes. Ethel, you are a potato pancake. Or is that Ethel? Ethel was a potato Ethel. pancake. Ethel. Ethel was a potato pancake. They own an antique shop, and business ain't going good. So this old woman, Mrs. Gumley, is like, please buy my antique, my, uh, my family heirloom bottle. An heirloom, Mrs. Gumley. Oh, yes, Mr. Carson. Been in my family for years and years. It's supposed to be very valuable. Hand-blown glass is what it is. Really? Mm -hmm. Do you know what it's worth? Nothing. If you could find the store where it came from, that's what they would give you for it, Mrs. Gumley. She's like, mister, mister, please. She's a bottle. piece of shit, that lady. She's a scumbag, and this is how nice they are. So she's like, please, just give me a dollar. Just a dollar for it. He's like, I can't. I got, I'm fucking... I'm hard bills, up. man. Right. I'm hard up, ma'am. Mrs. Gumley, if I could spare a dollar, I'd give it to you. Believe me, I would, but... Well, things have been rough here. You know, I'm so in debt myself. Then she starts sobbing, very manipulative. And then he just pulls some money out of the register and just gives it to her. And she's like, she's like, thank you so much. By the way, Mr. Carter, it's not an heirloom, you know. I found it in an ash can. I found that in the garbage. She's a you fucking schmuck. real piece of shit, that lady. <laughs> and he's like very nice, but he's like, ah, yeah. His wife, was, so, she's had it with him. Arthur. We're just around the corner from bankruptcy. You promised me no more handouts. Uh, she is appeared before uh, Viva Janis. She was in uh, another episode. She was in. Uh, she was married to Juddy in the Fever. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that was her. Yeah, that's the same wife. Yeah. Okay. Well, recognize her. Yeah. <laughs> just pitch John. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> She's like, hey, she's like, I bought this bottle from this one. What if there's a genie in there? Well, lo and behold, he rubs it and a genie pops out. And the genie is played by Joseph Ruskin, who I recognized. I'm like, I know that guy. I mean, he has an amazing amount of credits, but I recognized him from the Twilight Zone. He plays the voice of an alien in To Serve Man that's coming Serve up. Serve Man. Yeah. This is flight number 914 from Earth to our planet. We will be taking off in three minutes. Uh, it was played by, uh, it's, the, the actor who actually played it in To Serve Man was, what's his name, from uh, Happy Gilmore. I'll be waiting for you, Shooter, uh, in the parking yeah. lot. That guy? Yes, in To oh. Serve Man, yeah. Oh, can't wait. Oh, yeah, Richard Keel, Richard Keel, who's also in Ega, a lot of great films. Well, bad films. He was also most famous for being Jaws in the James Bond films. But we'll talk about that when we get to that episode. Sorry. 
But Twilight Zone connections abound in this episode. So they're like, they're, they're freaked out, obviously, because some dude is like saying, I'm a genie. Rather than go into any lengthy, generic explanation of my existence, suffice it to say that I am a genie. Well, that's quite correct. A genie. I can offer you four wishes with a guaranteed performance. They make a test for him. They have a broken cabinet, display cabinet. Would you like a wish to me to fix that? Well, Mr. Castle, is that your wish? Yes, that is my wish. I want that glass in that display case to be repaired. And it's like, okay, he's a genie. Okay, they go about like, what should we do? What should we wish for? And he's so not on the level of this genie. He's just, he is so clearly out to like teach them a lesson. How like did they believe he was a genie? He came from smoke out of a bottle in front of him. That's what yeah. I don't get. She was very doubtful about him being a genie. She was like, you're buying this story of him being a genie? Oh, I love that. The skeptical wife. Yeah, it's like, this, but he came This from, person he, just he, appears you know, he, out of fog. He, and made, she's like, he oh, emerged from smoke out of this bottle that fell down. What? You believe really? any you're man comes this? out of... You know how many times I see men come from a smoke? <laughs> yeah, as I said, what the hell's wrong with this? They've already wasted one wish just to prove the obvious to the wife. Yeah. And so then he's like, they say, let's get a million dollars. I wish for a million dollars, which he proceeds to make it rain on them. A million dollars. Right here on the floor, in five and ten dollar bills. That's what we want. A million dollars. Ask and you shall receive, Mr. Castle. Oh, yeah. They wish for a million dollars, and it, apparently in all singles. Because there's a big pile. And mm -hmm. this is where the episode gets really funny for me. Because it falls into a pile on the floor, right? Where it remains for the remainder of the episode, which is clearly taking over the course of a few days. There's just a yeah. big pile of cash. So they get the big pile of cash, and what's the first thing they do? They do something incredibly altruistic with it. Here you are, my friend. Here you are. You buy that to pay off that mortgage and have yourself start living again. That's it. Here you are, my dear. You take yourself that vacation and bring back a boyfriend. Don't forget, <laughs> Mrs. Gumley. Oh, my dear. Here, here, more, more. Mrs. Gumley, God bless you. They start giving people in the neighborhood money. There's a bunch of people, and everybody's very respectful again. and calm with a, a pie, a literal pile of a million dollars yeah. on the floor. Just walking over it, and he's just handing them stacks of cash. Oh, and the genie warned them, this will have consequences, eh? Eh? They're like, ah, phooey. So the IRS comes the next day. It's a matter of an income tax, Mr. Castle. Just send us the bill and we'll pay it. But send us the bill in a hurry, would you please? My wife and I will be taking off for Europe very shortly. Arthur Castle is sitting over the pile of cash. It's like, how much you need? <laughs> IRS you... tax man? Yeah, we'll pay the bill. Just give us a bill. And the bill... Like all of it. It's like all of it. It's like a short five dollars grand. Yeah. yeah. Which is... It was like it would have left them with like... 60 grand, I think, like at the, at the end of the day. 50 grand, something like that. It's probably yeah. a lot of money at that time, but I mean, it's not a million dollars. I'd be pretty pissed. Fuck tax <laughs> knock on my door. I got a million dollars of cash sitting on the floor of my store and you want all of it? Anyway, Which is a weird consequence because it doesn't really, it's weird that they went that route where it's like, but who knows you're here? Oh, no one? Right. <laughs> Edna, get the lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it's cheaper to hire somebody to hide the body afterwards, right. really. 
absolutely yeah. is. Yeah, I didn't think that out. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's thinking... kill the nerd. And yeah. your problem solved. <laughs> Who knows? You? Are you on file anywhere being here? <laughs> oh no, I just combed my own accord. Get the lock. Open <laughs> the door. Pull, pull the curtains down. <laughs> Well, it's just like it's such a weird thing about consequences because they didn't show like greed because they gave away a lot of money. It wasn't about greed. They gave away no. like something like fifty thousand dollars to like yeah, their they, friends and family. Was, so it's it that, showed that he's an idiot. Is what it showed. That's all it is. Is that he's an idiot because it's just like then the tax guy. I don't know how the IRS got wind of it. Maybe that genie's a scumbag and reported them. Yeah. <laughs> he dropped a dime on that fucking. Yeah, that guy. genie dropped on. It's like, well, that's not fair. Well, I guess well, that old bag did. Yeah, Mrs. Gumley's is like, hey, yeah, I'll sell him flaunting his money. I sell him Ashken bottle. He's full. I don't yeah. think she had an Eastern European accent, but it's funnier if she does. Yeah, so, I mean, that's like in most of these stories, it's usually like you do something bad. Like he did something, something nice. bad. Right. Like they were being nice. people. They're naive, nice people. Yeah, incredibly naive. Like just so like a pile. Hi, guys, of. come to my pile of cash store party. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, just unorganized pile. Like they didn't even bother to organize it before people came over. They just left a just an unwieldy pile of cash. Like what? What benefit does that have? Are they just so excited? Like there's a pile of cash on the floor, and I'll give you some. Come now, operator. Get put me to KO five, Mrs. Gumley. <laughs> I won't believe what just happened. You know that, that dollar bottle you just sold me? Right. Well. Right, but he did the right thing. He's like, listen, you sold me a winning lottery ticket. I give you, you know, I hit you off. Like, he did the right thing. So it's like, I don't get what, the, he didn't do any, like, there's no moral to be landed. there. It's like, hey, if you do nice things, the tax, well, there is a moral. It's just like, no matter, if you do something nice, the government's going to step in and screw you. That's the message. That, that is the message. Don't trust the government. That is an interesting message. It's a nice way to go about it. And now a word from our sponsors. Twilight Zone. Brought to you by Pell Mell Famous Cigarettes. Over, under, around, and through. Pell Mell travels pleasure to you. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Okay, that's two wishes now. He's like, okay, money's no good. Even though he could have just said, just make us rich. Right. You could just do There's that way... and just change the language. Okay, yeah. the language is no good. Maybe <laughs> tax-free million. The guy even suggests... Tax-free million, maybe you should have asked for. Something. But then he goes, okay, he concocts a wish in the vaguest of terms. I want to be the head of a foreign country who can't be voted out of office, but it must be a contemporary country. That oh could easily... It infuriated me. I, but it, like, he went out of his way that even the genie's like, could you be more specific? Yeah. I want to be the head of a country that's a mod... Oh, a modern country. That's still around today, and an unimpeachable lifetime ruler. I want to be a dictator, essentially. Yeah. I want to be that, but it could be any country. It's like, you have to pick the country. Why wouldn't you pick the country? Yeah, Why I, wouldn't he pick the country? He was just like, he left himself <laughs> so wide open. Even I the genie's be... like, dude, it's like, you're fucking making this too easy even for me. Like, There's no creativity here. Give me something. He's like, any country of your picking. He could have made it anything. 
Uh, literally anything. Yeah. So, and, and he makes it, and I was actually surprised, because I was watching this with Deborah, and she said, she's like, what are they going to do, make him Hitler? Head of a country can't be voted out of office. I'm Hitler. I'm in a bunker. It's the end of the war. And when they cut oh, wow. to the bunker, we both laughed our asses off. It was like, holy shit. And he's like surprised, like he got fucked on the fine print by this. <laughs> there was but no you know fine what? print. <laughs> that part, it kind of, he, he did, he started announcing, I'm Hitler. I'm in the bunker. It's like, you don't, you don't have, like, that's a bad script, I think, is that, like, that part of the episode, it's like, we know, we see, that we, I have eyes. I don't scream it. We're, you're, not a, you're not by yourself. Yeah, you, you actually turn, he turns, like, does that really well, that shot that leads us into him being in the bunker is actually really yeah. well composed. And, like, it's from behind him at a desk. Yeah. And he turns right to camera with a light just blazing on his face. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's clearly Hitler. I, don't, I right. know, I, I'm not mistaking him for somebody else. We know, it's not Charlie Chaplin. We know <laughs> who he is. And this is also 1960. Yeah. So if you're watching this and you don't know what's going on, All right, this is fresh in a, a lot of people's here. minds. Your dad just came <laughs> back from this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's having a psychotic episode in the kitchen because of this. All right. Dad has to go lay down because of this episode. I don't need you to scream who he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such a it, yeah. That is very bizarre and. Uh, it plays like essentially at the uh, the end of that movie, Downfall, the Bruno Gans film, that's always that been memed. That was a big hot meme a good sixty seven years ago. And uh, one of his uh, salt, one of uh, Hitler's guess, commanders hands him a poison vial. Like you know, this mm. is uh, clearly at the end of World War Two. And yeah. he actually considers drinking the po the poison because he cannot. This is how dumb this Arthur Castle. Arthur Castle is the dumbest man who ever lived. He's like, yeah. he can't figure a way out of this. He's like, well, I guess I blew it. Yeah, it's like just like, there's no other that. way. Too bad I don't, I don't have, have a wish. I don't have, I don't have other wishes. At least I, I, he acts oh, shit. Like, he has to think about it. Yeah. And then he has to wish himself out. So that's all four wishes. No more wishes. It's fucking did boob. Sir, did Serling write this one? Yes, he did. Yeah. If we made a top 10 of the episodes we've seen so far, how many do you think Serling has written? Oh, he's got a few, but not as many as Matheson, I don't think. Because, like, literally, Matheson, every time Matheson is at, is at bat, it's a fucking all-timer for me. What about Beaumont? Beaumont is... <clears throat> he's got a couple weak ones, I th I, if I remember correctly. But Beaumont, his first episode is a masterpiece for me. That might be my favorite episode of last season, still. For Chance to Dream. For Chance to Dream. Yeah, I mean, it's a very weird episode. And it's... Uh, well, then, he gets his final wish, and he's returned to the shop with the broken bottle now. It shatters on the floor. And they're like, hey. Maybe we'll stop wishing for a while. And since we obviously can't afford a brand new life, suppose we give the old one a paint job or something. I think that's a very good idea. This ain't so bad. You know, it was like they learned that, you know, things are tough, but it can be a lot worse. Like right. you can be turned like into Hitler. Like you can wake up as Hitler. Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah, it could be worse. It could be worse. There's some people out there that wake up as Hitler some days. Well, at least we're not one of them. And the only thing they got is the the broke the fixed cabinet, and he's cleaning up the bottle, and he breaks the cabinet again. So he gets nothing. You get nothing. Just completely nothing. He learned nothing, except that he should never wish for anything again. He takes the bottle to the basura. It's basura now. So he puts that in the trash outside, and it starts re reforming, as Serling says. Check that bottle you're taking back for a two-cent deposit. The genie you save might be your own. 
Case in point, Mr. and Mrs. Arthur Castle, fresh from the briefest of trips into the Twilight Zone. I was just yeah. thinking about Homer wishing for the sandwich the whole huh. time. That's all I could think about. He he made a better set. He made more concise wishes. Homer Simpson made better wishes than this man. This Way guy more made specific. the dumbest. I wish for a turkey sandwich on rye bread with lettuce and mustard. And and I don't want any zombie turkeys. I don't want to turn into a turkey myself. And I don't want any other weird surprises. You got it. This is more specific. It's like okay, put me somewhere. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Anywhere. I could be doing anything. Anybody could be on or in me. <laughs> and I may or may not be on fire. That's up to you. It's just like, no, don't give him anything. And, and think of it as soon as possible. Don't take a minute. Yeah, don't plan it out in your head what the next wish would be. Just as soon as it comes to your head, just wish it. Yeah. Love it. I mean, Edna would have been better off with the fever guy. Even though, yeah. doesn't he die at the end? Oh, she he, he offs himself and leaves poor Edna. Yeah. Like, she's just... Jumps out of the window. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, he's like, at least, like, he left us... Well, at least he had the courtesy to kill himself. <laughs> Edna was uh, married to Robert Cummings from the last episode. And that was the thing I, I kind of yeah. think. She was married to him for a time. Yeah, from uh, hmm. between 1935 and 1944. She was and in the lead. She was around for a while. She had a lot of credits, but nothing, like, crazy. She wasn't, like, prolific or anything. Uh, interesting is the guy who played the lead, uh, Luther Adler. And he's comes from royalty his sister is stella adler who is uh famous. oh really yeah there's wow. the, there's the stella adler theater in broadway and like she's very famous and oh, wow. uh the guy who played the the genie he has a ton of credits yeah he's got a he's that guy he was the head of the screen actors guild for he was on the board of the screen actors guild for like 20 something years the guy worked a lot did a lot of tv did a lot for a guy with really horrible skin he was the edward was, james uh, almost was, uh, of he did generation. a lot of voices too he was a big voice actor he was in uh ducktales and uh and the amazing spider-man yeah i saw that hmm. he was on spider-man a bunch spider blood spider blood radio spider, spider blood. blood yeah i don't know <laughs> i mean it was fun i mean it was fun because i it was i think this was better directed than last week so it was more interesting to look at visually even though they even though it's just weird there's just weird choices like leaving the money in the just a filthy pile on the floor <laughs> this did make no sense over the Walter course white of, display of wealth yeah <laughs> completely just just all over not a pile like like when i say a pile it wasn't like stacks no stacks it was just it was a mess it was all over the floor and he left it there for the course of days and finally he says let me count all this unsubstantiated money in front of the irs man like maybe if you would have cleaned it up in front of the irs man you would have taken such a beating like you can't blame the genie on that it's like well the, the, the irs is staring at you counting a pile of money they gave it to you in singles too i mean what a scumbag he wasn't a nice man. That genie was a scum. He was giving him singles. Could have given, could have been worse. Could have given him like nickels or something. Yeah. Imagine that fucking hurricane that would have happened in that little store. Hurricane and nickel, million dollars of nickels came raining down on him. <laughs> I uh, it reminds me of like you know, <laughs> I, I forget which comedian said it. It's just like, you know, when you make it rain, you throw cash. It's like I like to make it hail. I throw change at him. Oh, uh, Daniel Tosh. It was Daniel Tosh. Oh. Yeah, it was a Daniel Tosh bit. Wow, so he had some good moments. Oh, Daniel Tosh is good. I, I got yeah, him no. got confused with uh, Dane Cook. I don't know why. Uh, they they yeah. were both hot at the same time around. So I think other things he was in, uh unless 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 we already did. <laughs> <laughs> Who uh Lisa Lee uh Arthur Joseph Castle, Luther, Luther Adler. He was in uh he was on Playhouse ninety and Mission Impossible, but nothing else really that 
crazy. Wow, Jesus. He, he Ruskin was in a ton of Star Trek. He was in the original show, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise. Those are all different time. Yeah, yeah. He's so, like a big uh, Star Trek guy. He's like Brock Peters. Like, Brock Peters, they would use a lot. Like, there's, like, actors they would always use in Star Trek. Because I guess, like, they become, like, you go to conventions enough. Mm. You, you just, like, hey, you're known within the community. So, like, those, you know, those sad fans of Star Trek. Zoning Out has a voicemail, ladies and gentlemen. Hold now. Whoa, we just did that while we were talking. Judge, what did you think of the episode? I, I liked it. I mean, be careful what you wish for. It's the tales all this time, right? It's a great story. It's a great... There's a lot of fun you can have with that, like... As a story template, As yeah. a story template, yeah. There's a lot of fun you can have with that. I mean, listen, I, I did a, a Monkey's Paw episode on Haunted American History. So it's kind of like, you know, it's it's one of those... It's, it goes to the well. I don't think they used it as good as they could in this one. I mean, it was interesting things. Like, they, they took a then-modern approach with the genie. Yeah. And I think the, the consequence of the IRS was probably in the same spirit. It was like, hey, what if we did that today? It's like, oh, the IRS would just be on you. It's yeah. one of those things where they, it's one of those episodes. It reminds me a lot of the episode of the baseball episode where they just oversimplify the mechanics of something. Like oh, that episode. The, like oh the baseball God. episode, the second to last episode of last season, which is Oh, tough. God, Jack. It rhymes with cock. Jack uh, Warden, yeah. Where it's just like the mechanics of all the things that happen happen in such an oversimplified way. With where like literally the pile of cash is just on the floor that it kind of kind of but it's funny it kind of like make it takes the impact out of it because it's so almost silly but that's also fun is that this was fun yeah. this was a fun one for me like it wasn't uh, more fun than last week's for me yes I agree even though it is sloppy and it really doesn't make sense I mean it's like what you said you would think this guy gets a huge pile of money he would buy a boat cars spending you know materialism. And then it's like, oh, well, now you're going to learn a new lesson. But he immediately just gave it to other people. And he got screwed by the government, which is why right. you don't trust the government. Because Sterling was a communist. <laughs> I'm really interested in next week's episode because it has the awesome, has the most awesome title I think we've seen with the show so far. Nervous Man in a $4 Room. I like I that relate. title. I'm kind of glad these episodes weren't great because that means we got good stuff to look forward to. Oh, yeah. yeah. We if we got came some... out with gangbusters, I might be thinking, oh, it's going to get a little wobbly. You know what? But now I'm thinking, oh, we got good stuff ahead. Do you want to know what episode that I'm... I, I, don't, I don't want to know anything. I want to go in blind. Okay. Because there's an episode coming up that's one of my favorites. And I'm saying this now. I might be able to get a guess for that. And I'll say this. I'll cut. I think this would be good to have on because he's worked with the lead of that episode multiple times. H.M. Winant. And he's yeah, a definitely. big... I think that'd be a good thing to have. Like to have... That'd be a nice, fun thing to try, and it's within the context of the show. And it's somebody yep. who's worked with the lead, which is rare to find, that we could actually have somebody who's, like, worked who's like worked with him multiple times, the lead of that, who's most famous for that episode. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. Okie dokie. And what else about this episode? I'm trying to set up the voicemail, but it's He's not working the... right now. Oh, I, keep getting a, I keep getting an error code, so I'm going to have to... Next week, we'll have a voicemail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next week, we'll have a voicemail. But besides the voicemail, uh, before you get that, who leave a comment. Leave a comment. Help us out. Leave a comment. Leave a review. Here. Tell a friend. Zoning out. Would it kill you? We're here. Would it kill you? Come on. kill you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Please. Even if it's filthy. Just let your filthy mind. Even if it's gross. Grosser the better. Do slash fic about us. I don't care. I'm up for anything. Anything. And now, Mr. Serling. 
Next week, we take you into this 8 by 8 hotel room, and we watch a penny-ante crook make a decision. You better ask the room clerk the number of this room, and then come on up. Mr. Joe Mantell is the nervous man in a $4 room. That's the Twilight Zone. Next week, and we'll be waiting for you. Thank you, and good night. <laughs>